Thank you, Corey, and good morning. Once again, I'm Dion Williams. I'm your Associate Missions Director. It's been my privilege to hold that position for the last uh, almost 16 and a half years uh, here on the Gulf Coast. This is the first time I've got to stand before y'all since bef- and preach since before Katrina. I've got, done a music several times for, for Miss Peggy, but... Uh, when Brian was here, he always got to fill in. So I didn't ever get to fill in unless they were both, uh, Brother Al and Brian were both out of town. But I did have that opportunity. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to stand and address y'all this morning and share with you from God's Word. Would you turn in your Bibles to Revelations chapter 3, verses 7 through 13? Revelations chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Uh, I have the privilege to be with you today and also with you next Sunday, so I took the opportunity to do a two-part series called The Churches at the Crossroads. Two churches we find in the book of Revelation that uh, Jesus wrote to and talked to. Two churches that were at literal crossroads and at spiritual crossroads. And, And looking at that, see what God is also saying to us here at uh, as a as a uh, as a church and as an association revelations chapter 3 verses 7 through 13 and if you'll follow along with me in your bible and to the angel of the church in philadelphia write he who is holy who is true who has the key of david who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one will opens says this i know your deeds Behold, I have put before you an open door which no, man, no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word uh, of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in the next few moments, Lord, that you will speak through me the words that you would have to say to this church. Lord, that we will be excited about the open door that you have placed before this association and especially this church. Lord, let your Holy Spirit work in hearts and lives that your will may be done. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Three short points this morning. And I'm going to do my best to make sure that you can get out and get to the Mexican restaurants before the Methodists do. Okay? Okay. Try not to go long. I went long, a little long this morning, but I got a little extra time. So uh, Peggy wouldn't stop. She did all four verses, and so I didn't get to do. You know, probably won't preach as long this morning. Three points. The first point begins, opportunity. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Let me tell you a little bit of the background behind the church at Philadelphia. Uh, 
That church was founded by a guy who loved the emperor and loved the Romans. And, and so the city became known as the city, city of brotherly love. And it was, a, it was a, an official city. Uh, it had an official uh, emperor's task because, as it said at the head of a fertile valley, it also said at the edge of the barbaric lands. Now, we know that here in South Mississippi as Louisiana. Just kidding, okay? But what the emperor wanted was the Greek culture and the Greek language to go forth into the barbaric lands and to raise their standard of living and raise their culture up to what the Romans were expected to do. And that was to go out from the city of Philadelphia. So they had an open door. They had a, a, a commission to go out and to share with those barbarians their culture that is there. Today, we as an association and we as a church at First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, God has put a door in front of us. Christ has set a door and he opens it. And no man can shut it because he opens it for us. And he's given this church the opportunity to do missions, to go out into those lands where there are lost people. Those cultures where there are people who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, who have needs, who have things in their lives that fall short of the glory of God, and you have the opportunity to go and do that. It's all, this, this church has always been a ministering church. It's been one of the things that I've been impressed with over, over the 16 years that I've been involved with, with y'all. I, I remember a time that uh, I think, Peggy, you were out. And I was filling in and doing, doing the choir, and uh, I was doing a revival at my sister's church, and was invited. To, I invited them to come and do, uh, come and sing for us, and drove up in the middle of nowhere in Pearl River County, talk about barbaric lands, and uh, and sang for us, and uh, and and performed. But you've always been willing to go and to do, you know. Walter Beck and I, we went to Iowa, and we went someplace else doing disaster relief work. This has been a church that has always been going. But let me tell you something. God is up to something here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. He is up to something in Gulf Coast Baptist Association. Just let me give you a few of those. We begin tomorrow officially uh, the, the sixth year of Partnership Gulf Coast. We have been blessed with the facilities, and we learned after Katrina how to keep teams and how to recruit teams, and we built that into a program where we invite outside mission teams to come in and work with our churches. And starting tomorrow, every, every week we'll have two different teams that come in, and we have 15 teams that are coming in to work with 17 of our churches working with our new church starts, working with uh, churches that need revitalization, working with churches that are trying to move out in their communities and touch people who they've never been able to touch before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That entire program is self-sufficient. There are no associational funds that go to that. God has blessed us in such a way to be able to do that in such a way that our churches gain and it doesn't cost them a dime to do that. Another thing that we, we've just beginning to get the ball rolling, and we're going to see more of it happen at the end of July, is that God has opened the door for Hispanic ministry. And in 
after preaching this morning and bringing that up to some folks and having a conversation during Sunday school, God is really opening a door for First Baptist Church in Bay St. Louis to be on the bottom floor of the work that God is going to do among the Hispanics here on the Gulf Coast. Through a series of events and meetings, I've become acquainted with the dean of the Hispanic Seminary that is a part of Golden Gate Baptist Seminary that's in Jackson. And the end of July, they're going to be bringing down at least 18, possibly as many as 30 Hispanic pastors who are going to school there to help us discover the pockets of Hispanic people here on the Gulf Coast. And our goal is, is that in six to seven years, there will be three or four or five new Hispanic congregations here on the Gulf Coast. That's not anything new for First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis because y'all used to be the sponsor of the Hispanic work that we had that was here before Katrina. But Katrina kind of wiped that out and relocated it and did, and uh, it's kind of moved all the way across the coast over to Jackson County. But God has sent a group of people unchurched here to our Gulf Coast and we're going to be able to reach them. And Bay St. Louis, First Bay St. Louis can be on the inside track for that. Another ministry that we've just got started that I've been working on for two and a half years and God is just now bringing it to fruition. I'm learning a lot about God's timing. I wanted to start yesterday. God said, we're going to wait. We're going to put this thing together right. And he did. But in our association in Stone and Harrison and Hancock counties, there are somewhere around 225 multifamily communities. That's apartment complexes. That's mobile home parks. And 95% of the people who live in these multifamily communities are unchurched. What a great mission field. What a great mission field. And we're going to go in and begin to work with these folks. Now, I've had some questions about that since the first service this morning, and I'll, I'll explain to you this, that we're not going to go in there. We're not going to use the word ministry. We're not even talking about a church. We're, we're even trying to stay away from Baptists as much as we can. We're going in and looking at a manager and say, we want to come in and help you meet the needs of your people, of your clientele, of your residents. Because by building those relationships, we'll find out what the real needs are in those apartment complexes. And we'll be able to build those relationships so that we can establish a missional community in each one of those areas. They may be something as simple as a Bible study. It may grow to be a house church. But our goal is to start a missional community in those areas. And we're going to need churches that are going to step out and make three to five year commitment to work in these apartment complexes because too many times what we do when we go into the these these areas we'll go in we'll do a backyard bible club a vacation bible school some kind of block party we'll do it during the summer one time and they don't see us again until the next summer you know that doesn't help a manager that bothers a manager because they want somebody who's going to come in and walk alongside them we find managers and and activities directors who say, we need help. I had an activities director that was showing me on her calendar. She said, we have a financial planning seminar planned for this day. I said, that's great. We've got people in our association who know about that stuff, who can come and lead it. And she said, great, because I'm not real good at it. 
And we can bring in a Christian idea, a Christian worldview about how you handle your finances. But we're going to use those things to go in there and meet the needs of those people so that we will have the opportunity in the next three to five years to share Jesus Christ with them. Christ has opened a door for us to go. The door is there. Now, it is not going to be easy. I told you it's taken me two years to get ready just to get started for the last two months with multifamily housing. It's difficult getting everything together, and it's going to be difficult. The Scriptures say it's going to be difficult. It says in the Scriptures, you have a little power. The right translation of that is you take away the A is that you have little power. Now, that may not be true exactly for the First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, but let me tell you something. It could be true for the church at large. We're entering a time that I believe we're going to see the, the, the persecution of the church. We're going to see Christians ridiculed. It used to be, when I was growing up, that the church was the center of the community. Nothing was ever planned in the community that would interfere with what was going on with church. We didn't play basketball on Wednesday nights. We didn't have any other activities other than uh, baseball, little league, and church. And church was the focal point of most people's lives. But now, even with church people, church is just a tick on the clock. It's another little thing that we have to do. It's Sunday morning. It's time to go to Sunday school. It's time to go to worship service. We'll pass that little tick on the clock. And then we go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we've crowded our lives with so many other things, not just Little League Baseball, but with Little League Football, with soccer, with recreation with different things and our lives have gotten so busy with other things that we don't have time to serve God and our church is losing its influence it is now being ridiculed by the world I'm not going to get into political discussion about House Bill 1523 but there was a letter that was written a week before last by a group of Mississippi Southern Baptist pastors that said that they were standing in favor of House Bill 1523. Last week in the Clarion Ledger, there was an article by a, a, a columnist who said it was entitled, Once again, Mississippi Baptists are on the wrong side of the issue. And he goes on to, talk, to look at 1523 and comparing it to slavery, which was, was uh, unfair. It was just a scathing indictment, he tried to make it, of Christians and especially of Baptists. I read a lot of novels. And when I read a lot of these novels, and in some of these novels they'll make fun of Christian people. And it's funny to me that most of the time they're Baptist. even read one that said they were Southern Baptist. But the church, not just Baptists, are being made fun of and ridiculed and persecuted. And we're losing our effectiveness in this community. And we're not being salt and light. We're being pushed to the wayside. It will be difficult. But that difficulty will help us keep focused on Christ's power. Christ is the one that empowers us. We can do nothing ourselves. 
It is not we who work. It's Christ who works in us. And he said, I have all the power in the universe. And the, the way that it's written there, he has every last bit of the power of the universe that he is going to work through us that same way. We can't do it. But Christ working through us and through this church and through our association can change this Gulf Coast for Jesus Christ. But difficult as it is, and with the persecution that will come, Jesus promised us security. We have the opportunity, but he's also given us security. He says, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Where was the persecution of the church at Philadelphia coming from? It was coming from the Jews. It was coming from people who should know better. These are the people who had the same book of law, the same thing that the Christians were looking at. And when the Christians looked at the Scripture, they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus as the Messiah. The Jews looked at it, and they saw something that was going to come and not save them from their sins and set up a heavenly kingdom, but somebody who was going to come and make an earthly kingdom and make the wrong ones go away, and they were going to have their own little nation And have their own little kingdom. And so they fought against the Christians. And they persecuted them. And they brought them before the courts. And as we looked in the book of Acts. And we saw how the Jews were the ones that were causing the persecution. And what does the scripture say? About who was controlling the Jews. The scripture said that they were not a synagogue of Jews anymore. They were a synagogue of Satan. Satan and the devil was the one that was working in their lives, that was bringing the persecution upon the church, that was causing them to have trouble. What can we learn about that today in our churches? I am surprised time after time after time as I go about the churches of this association and I work with pastors and I work with church leaders, the ones that cause the trouble are the ones who should know better Christians. Because we get caught up in our own wants and our own desires and what we want to see the church to be and not what we think God wants the church to be or what we've prayed and asked Him to show us. We've got an idea and we're going to work toward that agenda. And we don't care if it destroys the church. We don't care if people leave our church. We don't care if our reputation is destroyed in the community. We want what we want. Who's controlling those folks? Those people who have their own agendas about what should happen in church. We fight over the color of of carpet. We fight over whether we're going to have pews or we're going to have chairs. We fight over whether we're going to sing choruses or we're going to have hymns. We, We fight over anything in the world. Why do we let Satan control us as Christians? Why do we let him take hold in our lives and make us turn our eyes off of Jesus when we, the one that we should be following to make the kingdom go and not worrying so much about ourselves?
because of the patient endurance of the church at, Phil, uh, at uh, Philadelphia. It says, because you hung on and because you're staying with it. The word there is uh, hupomene. The word that means to take everything that the, the enemy can give you and then have enough strength to counterattack. This morning, the choir special, Be Strong in the Lord, talks about standing fast and standing in the power of Jesus Christ to take whatever comes and then attack the enemy on their own ground. And when we stand firm, when we stand strong, when we endure what comes and we raise our heads up and say, we're going to attack, it breaks the spirit of the enemy and Christ goes before us and fights our battles and we see that open door thrown wide open so that we can share the gospel in the community around us. Jesus will deliver us. We have opportunity. We have security. And finally, we have an identity. A church with the opportunity, going through the door, doing what God wants them to do, standing up and enduring the persecution that will come, will be rewarded with an identity. The scripture says, I will make him a pillar, a support, stability, permanence. The city of Philadelphia at one time was completely destroyed by an earthquake and rebuilt by Roman funds. Huh? Maybe they had a REMA, you know, the Roman Emergency Management Agency, instead of MEMA or FEMA. I wonder if they had earthquake insurance. Who knows? But they were rebuilt. They understood about earthquakes the same way that we understand about hurricanes. We live in an area where we're going to get hit with hurricanes. And by the way, just before church started, I looked at my phone and tropical depression... Three has formed in the Western Caribbean and will be coming into the Gulf sometime today. Hopefully, it will go to Florida. Okay? Well, we understand that. And so, the Philadelphia understood what those, those pillars meant. It meant stability. That was what was holding their buildings up when the earth was shaken. And God said, I'm going to make you a pillar. I'm going to make you a stable place and when you said you will not go out from it anymore, the idea is that, you know, what happens when we have an earthquake? We have buildings that fall down. Well, when God sets a building in place, when the earthquake comes, it doesn't fall down. And you don't have to run out from in, inside of it. And in the temple or the church of my God, and he will no go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of of my God. We belong to God. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we belong to Him. And whatever happens to us, we know that He is, is in control there. And He talks about the name of the city of God. We become heavenly citizens. I told Him in the first service this morning that yesterday, I called my mother. Uh, she's uh, about to be 88 years old. Uh, she lives with my sister, and uh, I called her. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm doing okay this morning. I said, uh, not, did, I had a bad night. I said, what happened? She said, I had chest pain. said, I woke up with chest pains. And said, I couldn't get rid of it. And said, it was, it was hurting pretty bad. And said, 
I was thinking about calling Deidre. Deidre's my sister. And she said, no. She said, she can just find me dead in the morning. She rolled over, and her heart, whatever was giving her pain, kind of eased off as she went back to sleep. But she knew where her assurance was and where her citizenship was, and she was just as happy to wake up in heaven as she would have been to wake up on this earth. She had that knowing of where she was going to be. That her name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that, that she drew her last breath here would be the next moment would be her first in heaven. What a wonderful thing that we can be citizens of heaven. The new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name, the name of Christ. There are two people here. People who hold fast are going to be rewarded with eternal life. People who hold fast through the persecution, through the difficult work, are going to be rewarded with eternal life. That doesn't mean that we work out our salvation. What that means is when we do, when we accept Jesus Christ and his leadership, and he says to go and do, that we work. It's where the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life. That's our wages for serving Him. It's spending eternity with Him. But those who overcome could be two different people. Those who overcome could be sinners that are coming to Christ because of the mission opportunity. Those who overcome may be those Hispanics. It may be those people who are in those uh, multi-housing communities that come to know Jesus Christ. It may be anybody that this church goes out and shares the gospel with, and they come and they walk these aisles. We need to see our churches baptizing people every Sunday. We need to see the altars filled with people who are coming to know Jesus Christ. Not because they came and heard an evangelistic sermon on Sunday morning, but because we as Christians were out there telling them about Jesus Christ. On Wednesday night, last four Wednesday nights, Susie and I are part of a new church start. And let me tell you something. Having grown up in a Baptist church, it's different being on the ground floor of a new church start. It's crazy. Never been there before. Wish I had done it before. But it is great. If you ever get a a chance to start a new church and be on the ground floor, do it. It'll change your life. It is wonderful. We know exactly where God wants us to be. But anyhow, in in this new church start, on Wednesday nights, we've been telling the people how to give their personal testimony to Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ to those who live around them and they work with. And do you know that most of them have never, ever given their personal testimony. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't know what was involved in it. And, you know, and they gave good answers when we'd ask them questions. You know, we'll stand up here and say, you need to walk the aisle. You need to give your heart to Jesus. Now, that means something to 90% of us in here. But in today's time, they don't understand. They know, people haven't darkened the aisle of a church. They don't know it has aisles. And, and in here, this church, which aisle do you walk? And do you take your heart out and give it to Jesus? We use all these churches. We have one lady in her, in her testimony. She talks about, she keeps saying remission of sins. We know what that means. 
But a lost person don't know, doesn't know what remission of sins is. Let me encourage you. You think about your personal testimony and think about how many times you use churchy words that are in that. But these people have never given their te- personal testimony. I don't want to show hands, but you think about it here in this church. How many of you have ever given a personal testimony? How many of you have ever been able to share with Jesus Christ, to, with a person Jesus Christ by using the Roman road? Not inviting them to church, not inviting them to Sunday school, but telling them about Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Christ has opened the door for us. This door has been opened for us as Christians to tell others about Jesus Christ. And you need to learn how, and you need to practice it, and you need to go and do it so that these people can overcome what's there. But also, these people who overcome may be Christians who are overcoming Satan's stronghold in their life. How many of you may be wrestling with God's call on your life to do so? I'm not not calling you to preach, but calling you to do something in the church or do something in the community that will further the cause of Jesus Christ to build the kingdom. And you're just sitting back and saying, no, no. Lord, I don't have time for that. I don't have money for that. Lord, you know, little Johnny's doing this, and i gotta go, I, I got to go with him and do this. No, no. When I, get, when I get busy with that, when I retire, when the summer comes, well, summer's here, I'll do that. If God is calling you to do something, you're like that stronghold of Satan. Satan has control of you, especially in that area. And in a few moments, when we have the time of invitation, this altar is going to be open for you to come and get down on your knees and say, God, I have confessed my sin to you that I have not been living the way that you wanted me to do. I have been telling you no, and I'm going to make sure that I walk through that open door and that I'm going to stand strong for you. It's been wonderful. I've had a couple of people already tell me, we want to be involved in the multifamily business. I've already had one tell me, I want to be involved in Hispanic. How many is God just, somebody in here saying, look, God's saying to you, I need you to help vacation Bible school. I need you to be a teacher in Sunday school. God may be saying to some of you men, I I need to be discipling some folks. You know, I've been a Christian for 52 years. And I probably could count on one hand the number of people that I've been responsible for discipling. Of, of, of helping them become the Christian that they need to be. And what did Jesus tell us to do as Christians? He said, go and make disciples. And God may be calling you to start an accountability group. He may be calling some of these ladies to start a Bible study in an area outside the church. But when we say no... Or when we ignore, ignore his call, we're being controlled by Satan. I love William Carey. William Carey said one thing that I've just taken to heart. Attempt great things for God, expect great things for God. As God led, laid on my heart about starting multifamily housing work, God began to open doors. When we started talking about Hispanic work, God began to open doors. And I'm just amazed 
Time after time after time. God, when we try things, when we step out there on faith, God opens doors. If we attempt great things, God is going to bless them because it's going to be through Him and through His power. This morning, you may be here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Let me tell you real quick. Three R's. One, you realize that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Scripture. That's Jesus saying that. That's God saying that. That no one can work their way into heaven. It is humanly impossible to work your way into heaven. Think about it. We have an infinite God. So we have no idea what His set of scales is. And so we're finite human beings who cannot even comprehend all that God is and we think that we can earn our way to heaven. And we can't. Because we're sinners. And we can never work enough to blot out that sin. But we need to realize that Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we could come back in right relationship with God. And because of our sins, we need to repent of our sins. It means to turn our back on the sins and say, I am going to follow God. I am sorry for these sins I committed. I am going to follow God. Realize you're your sinner. Repent of your sins and receive Him into your heart and life. Romans, 9, Romans 10 verse 13 says, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no magic formula. All you have to do is say, Jesus I am a sinner. I repent of my sins. I want you to come and be the Savior and Lord of my life. And he will do it. Now I will tell you, you will not hear angels singing. You will not see a great lighted cross. But trust me, if you trust God to do that, he will come into your heart and life. Because Titus 1-2 says that God cannot lie. And if God said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved... That's all you have to do. And I guarantee you that he'll come into your life and he'll change you forever.